0: What's up, Llama listeners, Joe here, and I'm excited to announce our partnership with Blazing Star Barbecue. Blazing Star Barbecue is a veteran-owned business owned and operated by Mike Starr, a veteran of over 20 years of military service and a fantastic member of the Llama family. Through his amazing rubs and sauces, Mike is devoted to bringing unique flavors from his world travels to your backyard. And I gotta tell you, I love me some Blazing Star Barbecue, especially the Reaper and brand new Scorpion Rubs. I absolutely put them on everything and they pretty much have rendered the rest of my spice cabinet obsolete. Check them out at blazingstarbarbecue.com and Blazing Star on all social media platforms and get your sauces and rubs today. We promise you won't be disappointed. The Llama Lounge is a proud member of the Lima Charlie Network. Life, Life. learning, Learning. leadership, Leadership. the long lounge. Yo, welcome back to the Llama Lounge, a dialogue on all things life, learning, and leadership. This is Joe Bogdan, and I am so excited to have this guest in the lounge with me today. Air Force veteran, internationally acclaimed speaker, and best-selling author, DJ Eagle Bear Vanis. How are you, DJ? I'm doing great, Joe. Thanks for having me on today. Thank you for coming on. And for our listeners, I got to let them know, I heard you on Ryan Holiday's <laughs> podcast. And, you know, he's a, one of my favorite authors. And you guys are talking about your book. And then so immediately there, I, I ordered your book on Audible and I started listening to it and I was sucked in first chapter. And I thought to myself, well, you know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So let me just shoot him a message and see if he'd be willing to come on to Llama Lounge. And you agree. Thank you so much.
1: Happy to be here. No, it's my it's my pleasure. Definitely.
0: So, Hey, you know, the first question I want to ask you, uh, when we first started doing this podcast, we were asking people those, uh, those lame questions about how the weather is in your location and and you were going through COVID. So they're like, you know, how things are over there, but we we decided to evolve and start off with a better question. And the question is, what is the best thing that's happened to you so far this week, DJ? Oh my gosh. Wow. (laughs) You hit me out of the blue, Joe. Uh, (laughs) Best thing that happened to me this week.
1: Well, I got to go out and serve. Uh, Mm. I worked with, uh. Colorado Springs Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and we did uh I did a keynote for them one day and did a leadership workshop uh, for them the next day and just had a wonderful time and you know I just felt like I was in alignment you know with where right mm. where I needed to be at right timing right message right people so you know w- whenever we get in that position where we're in alignment in alignment and feel that fulfillment it's just there's yeah. there's no substitute for it so that's probably been the best
0: part of the week so far yeah, 100% agree. I, I talk about it all the times, you know, you can have your profession, um, which is cool, which is great, you know, because some people just have jobs, but when you can line it up, and it can become your vocation, like you li- you're aligned it with your meaning and purpose, it just yeah. energizes you.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I did see Top Gun Part Two for the third time this week, too. Yes. So that that also
0: was a highlight. Oh yeah. That is a fantastic <laughs> movie. My goodness. I had to I had to buy it. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's awesome. We only had to wait 30 years for part two. I was right. so inspired by that movie in high school. I mean, I got my pilot's yeah. license mm-hmm. and uh, you know, in high school, and that was
0: a that was a big motivator. So I've been yeah. waiting a while. Man, that movie probably has done so much for the Air Force. And it's I so funny, so. just Navy officers, right? Navy yeah. pilots, but just, I thought it was an Air Force movie when I was young too. Yeah. And here I am in Air Force. <laughs> man, thank you so much for sharing that, DJ. Uh, you know, before we get into, I just really want to talk to some of the principles in your book, but uh, before we get into that, would love to hear how did DJ Vanis become the man he is today? What's your story? Oh my gosh. Well, i uh, great
1: question. I mean, going all the way back to, you know where I was born, uh, you know, my, my home community in Muskegon, Michigan, I'm a, a traveling role member of the Ottawa nation. Mm. And, um, my parents were teenagers in poverty when they had me. And so it was a really tough beginning, uh, in, in my life and especially for my parents. But growing up in that household, I learned the value of service. I learned the value of grit, of mm-hmm. commitment to a cause or a purpose. And, uh, my parents both have outstanding work ethics. My dad was career military air force enlisted, Mm-hmm. And my mom uh, was a career nurse. And so I grew up with that mentality of, you know, kind of having an understanding of why we're put here as human beings, which is to serve other human beings effectively. And so that really kind of shaped and shifted my life, you know, through the years and I uh, learned the value of hard work. You know, it was about persistence. I was never, you know, I had to work hard in school to get, you know, the grades that I did, um, you know, getting to the Air Force Academy was a dream come true. I mean, I mm-hmm. applied to eight colleges in high school. And that was my number one pick. And when I got it, I was over the moon. Uh, and then I got there and I wanted to quit a million times. <laughs> that might, that might actually be a low count. Um, but I remember, you know, one of those things that my mom, when she was going to nursing school, when I was, she went back to school when I was about 10 or 11, I remember getting up at night to get like a cup of water and I'd see like the light mm-hmm. under the door at two 30 in the morning while my mom was studying. Wow. And I rem- remember that. And when I was at the Academy and I wanted to throw in the towel, I just remembered, you know, one step at a time, one day at a time, one test at a time, you can get through this. And so, but that all those, you know, opportunities and experiences led me to what I do now. Um, you know, owning my own company, being a published author. It's just it's just par for the course. It's another expression on how to, you know, have an impact, a positive impact in somebody else's life. And this is the work I feel I was meant to do. I feel like my whole life has shaped me into doing it. And um, You know, just like a, you know, you pick up a stone on the ground, you know, it's just a stone, but if you shape it and chip it the right way, it can become a useful tool like an arrowhead Mm. that you can put on a stick and, you know, either defend your village or go get dinner with it, you know, but that's, that's kind of like the people and experiences that we surround ourselves with. We can be shaped and chipped into something that's so much more powerful than how we started. You know, we become a better version
0: of ourselves. Yeah, that, that's amazing, and I, you know, just hearing you tell about your your parents and that work ethic they instilled in you, I, you know, mentorship comes in so many different ways. I, I feel like, and by example is always the best. And I, I really yeah. feel like instilling a strong work ethic is better than anything you could possibly give when it comes to anything, like you know, just physical, any material things. I mean, that yes. that thing's lived with you forever. And look at where you're at now. I agree. Well, I appreciate that, and I agree with you a hundred
1: percent. Mm-hmm. Because if if there's one quality that I would ever want for my kids, it's the same thing. It would be persistence, mm-hmm. you know, staying with it, keep mm-hmm. grinding, keep working. It's not about natural talent and ability. We all have that. It's mm-hmm. what you do with it that ultimately, you know, develops you into who you become. But persistence mm-hmm. is that, that it's that warrior spirit in action, that no quit, all grit. I will find a way forward type of mentality mm-hmm. that can get you through anything that life throws, at, you know, throws your way. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's problem solving. I mean, it's life problem it solving and it's fantastic. Man, and and your book, it really uh just showcased some of those principles. And so I really loved it. I was telling um you earlier for the audience, I was telling DJ earlier um that you know, I read a lot of books. Um, and a lot of times it's hard for me to get something new out of a book. A lot of times it's you know, shaped in a different way. And the thing I loved about The Warrior Within is it was new principles, new concepts, new tools to put in my tool bag that I really am grateful for. And even new perspectives on things the way that I can can teach some of these principles to somebody else because you put another spin on it. And I, I thought it was so amazing. And this isn't your first book, but what inspired you to write this one? This
1: one has been a long time in the making. I mean, this is kind of a distillation of 25 plus years of work uh, sharing people or sharing with people how to use our traditional Native American warrior principles in action Mm -hmm. to get better results in life and leadership. But the, the real spark to move forward on it happened during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, so many of the groups that I love and have worked with for years, people who are in healthcare and education and government and military, everybody was hurting, you know, everybody was struggling. Um, trying to keep their responsibilities up in the air and, and trying to take care of themselves and their families. And the, now they're their homeroom teacher for their kids. And yeah. you know, it was just kind of chaos and people were really struggling in that moment. And the more conversations I had, uh, the deeper my empathy grew. And I said, you know, I think timing couldn't be better to start putting this stuff down and yeah. being able to share it. And so that was really kind of a spark of, you know, writing this book to show people who have dedicated their lives to serving others, how to stay resilient, how to stay strong, how to keep the path clear Mm -hmm. and how to continue serving well, uh, despite the chaos we might be surrounded by.
0: Yeah. And I loved it. And, you know, for me, I was learning about your culture and, you know, your tribe while Mm -hmm. I was reading this book. So I think it was just like, for me, I'm, you know, I consider myself a student of human behavior of other cultures. I just love like sociology and understanding. And I thought it was just Hilarious the way you t- talked about how your tribe got its name and what yeah. its real name is. Can you can you share that? <laughs> <away>? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's one of
1: those great miscommunications in history. And actually, a lot of tribes got misnamed because mm-hmm. of that. You know, they uh, my tribe were're from Michigan and go into Southern Canada, so we're on both mm-hmm. sides of the border. And uh, we had a vibrant trade network set up with all the tribes in the rivers and lakes around Michigan and Southern Ontario. And so we had this vibrant industry set up in the early 1600s, the French came and discovered us mm-hmm. and that should get lots of laughter. That of course is a joke. We were, <laughs> they didn't discover, us. We we're already there doing our thing and they were impressed at what they saw. And, you know, they were a little bit jealous, you know, typical French. I always picture how this went down, you know, big floppy hat, peacock, feather, white tights, buckle shoes. I don't know that they were wearing that, but that's the movie I play in my mind. <laughs> and they came up to our leaders and they asked a simple question. They said, uh, you know, it Excuse-moi, monsieur, please come, come. Uh, Who are you? Well, we didn't speak French. They didn't speak our language. And we totally blew the question. We thought they asked, what are you doing? So we answered. We said Odawa, which in our language means to trade. And they go, Sacre bleu, you'll be Odawa. And they write it down and the ink dried. And we're like, no. But it was too late. History books printed us that way. We've been known for that ever since. And uh, I think what a terrible way to get named as a human you right. know, as a group of people. The first thing they catch you doing, God forbid, you're known for that for all time. You know that uh-huh. I'll let the you know listeners fill in those blanks. That could have gone a lot worse. You right. Know? But um, we we call ourselves uh, Anishinaabe, which means the people, mm. and so that's you know our traditional name. But we've been known as Ottawa yeah. uh, ever since.
0: Yeah, when you when you said that in the book and you know, you had me picture like man, what would they catch me doing and call me like that's, me? You know, I was like, man, I'm be scratching my butt out in the woods. Yeah, well, that's,
1: that's one of the one of the things I was just sharing this week at the program. I said, you know, they could have come across us while in the bushes, four hundred years later, you go to big native gathering, you know, Denver March powwow, gathering of nations, you know. What tribe are you? Kiowa. What tribe are you? Shoshone. What tribe are you? PP tribe. You know, that, could, it could been, that could have been could have been terrible. Right. So I shouldn't complain. It could have gone a lot worse.
0: Yeah, I could have. Yeah, I could have. Got, you're, you're named after something you did, you're, you did really well. So <laughs> thankfully, yes. Yeah. So getting into the book, I, I love the way you define a warrior because I think that we, you know, that warrior spirit, because I think oftentimes, you know, we think of a warrior as being this person who's fearless. Right. Uh, that, yeah. yeah it's just stoic, like super tough all the time. And, right. and I've been growing and thinking on what a man's supposed to be and how, you know, like, and am thinking generosity, care and love. And and you define that you, you start digging into that warrior spirit. Was that something that you've evolved in your thought? And can you explain a little bit about that? Or or was it something that you, your parents instilled in
1: you? Well, this is something that comes from our cultures. Mm-hmm. You know, this has been a long time in, in the making. I've worked with some incredible elders with over 500 tribal nations in the last yeah. twenty five. Plus years of my life, and this this warrior concept is very different than the one we see in Hollywood. You know mm-hmm. that that sweaty chiseled figure, mm-hmm. like we're talking about, that standing on a mountaintop channeling lightning. They fear nothing. They experience no pain. They need nothing in this life except the next worthy challenge. They need mm-hmm. you know no encouragement, no outside support, and all that is just baloney. It's a myth that gets us into trouble for two reasons. Number one, it makes that warrior role inaccessible. Mm-hmm. Um, and number two, it's based on you know, falsehoods that, you know, this person needs nothing, which gets us into hot water really quickly because then we're depending on ourselves to do everything instead of leveraging, you know, right. other warriors around us to, to help us keep moving. So that, that warrior role in our culture, my, my tribe, we call a warrior Ogichida mm-hmm. and that term has nothing to do with what we see on TV and the movies. Um, yes. Of course, there were times where they had to fight, defend, sacrifice themselves, you know, at times. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was also a role that was a protector, a peacekeeper, uh, a benevolent contributor to their tribe. And that at the end of the day was what it was all about. Somebody who was willing to fight for something beyond their own personal welfare, somebody who was willing to lead by example, somebody who asked a question, not what can I get in this moment? What, What can I do? What can I contribute? And ultimately that, that heart of that warrior role, Joe is, is service. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the whole purpose, you know, the, a warrior's role was to feed and protect their people, not to feed and protect their ego. And sometimes that gets twisted up, you know, where we get stubborn and we're like, oh, I'm going to do this all myself. If, if if you do that, you're forgetting the purpose that you're, you know, for being here. If you yeah. want to be at your best, you got to create an environment to create that and yeah. doing it on our own is not the right, you know, way to do it. I, I, I have in the book and I'm adamant about this. hmm our warriors never fought alone. Um, why? Because that's just dumb. Mm -hmm. You're, you're, you're only ever going to achieve so much in this life when you're lone wolf in it. Yeah. But when you tribe up with other warriors, that's when our best stuff comes out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I talk about that often too. It's like, you know, off of, um, the work of Stephen Covey, you know, talking about interdependence, Yeah. none of us, Do anything truly significant in life on our own. We can try to think we did, but if you look back, you really notice that other people helped you along the way. Somewhere you got
1: it. Yeah, if we're honest with ourselves, we see there's always you know a tribe around us that's Mm -hmm. either helping us or hurting us. You know, Mm -hmm. it's up to us to make those conscious decisions to to really create a high quality environment uh, for ourselves if we want to you know deliver the best that we can.
0: Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love what you're talking about too. Is like you know you don't want to create a superhuman. Version of what you know, this warrior thing, because then people don't feel like they can they can get there. And I, I think about yeah. all the time I tell people like you shouldn't shoot to impress people because you can impress them, but they may never feel like they can connect with you. You should be That's looking it. to inspire people, right? Yeah. Showing yeah. them a path of what they can do as well to be better. Yeah, and being
1: authentic, being yourself, mm-hmm. your true self mm-hmm. with all you know the all, all the uh, quirks and you know the yeah. the warts. You know, if you want to look yeah. at it that way, because it allows people. acknowledge their own too you know the Mm -hmm. goal is not to be flawless the goal is definitely not to be perfect i mean that's Mm -hmm. you know that's one of those things that we waste a lot of time and energy trying to fulfill a a losing game Mm -hmm. it's about you know creating something that's positive and good and you know continuing to move forward and And that inaccessibility piece you know that's the thing i try to get people to understand in the book is our warriors felt pain they they felt fear um they stumbled they they cried to the heavens sometimes they realize they're only you know they're they're fighting themselves, and in their own way, and made mistakes. You know just like everybody else. But what they didn't do was quit. Yeah, uh, they kept finding a way to move forward, uh, to continue to serve their people well, um, despite you know the the odds that they were facing, and the odds were incredible. You know for for Native American warriors in the past, right? Um, incredible odds that they fought against, outmatched, out technologied mm-hmm. um, in every sense of the word, and they still found a way to deliver what they needed to for their people.
0: That spirit of service that's intertwined with that warrior spirit that you talk about. Do you think that that is a huge reason why? Cause there's a huge population of Americans that serve in the military, right? I mean, it's yes. a high number, right? And yeah. is that what maybe led your father into joining and which kind of led into you? Do you think that yeah. there's something there? There's a strong dynamic and it has, you know, because sometimes people say, well,
1: with minority groups, there's a strong you know, a uh, pull to get a, a stable job to get, mm-hmm. well, that that's true for all, you know, minority groups. Mm-hmm. However, native Americans have the highest rates of service for any ethnic group in America and have for over a hundred years. Yeah. So there's something different there. And the difference right. there is because we have a strong warrior culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I was part of a PBS documentary called the warrior tradition mm. that came out a couple of years ago and, and was aired on veterans day that year. And, uh, And it talked about this, how how tribal communities celebrate that warrior path, especially when it comes to military service as a modern day expression of that. Mm -hmm. And that's why our numbers are so high. It's it's a it's a still a very strong, compelling part of our culture. And that's one of the ways that we've found uh, to express it. But, you know, being that warrior role doesn't require uniform and combat boots, but Mm -hmm. it's one of the ways that I know, you know, my family has always found available. It's a path that I took, you know, based on that as well.
0: Yeah, I think that there's, I, I've just been thinking about because my wife and I are both um, first generation immigrants to this country too. And mm-hmm. we, I feel like we have a, um, like when we talk about it, about the service, how it changed our lives in one generation, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it really did. And we have this loyalty to it because of what it did for our lives. And I think, you know, with the Native Americans having that thing of service, that, that feeling within the soul that needs to serve, I think that there's mm-hmm. something to cultural pushes that you get pulled and pushed in certain directions to living your meaning.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and the other thing too, Joe, is, you know, people always ask, well, why, why do native people, you know, join the military in such high numbers when the history of, Mm -hmm. you know, native American history in this country has not been kind or pretty by any stretch. Mm -hmm. And the, the answer is pretty straightforward. It's because regardless of government or even the, you know, past experiences we've had in this country as, you know, the first people here, this is still our home, right. You know, and we're willing to defend it and you know, join the military to, Mm -hmm. you know, to make that known, but it's still our home. It always will be. It always has been. And so there's a tie there that, you know, gets down to the spiritual level. Mm -hmm. That's also another compelling reason uh, to, to go into the military.
0: Yeah. You know, that reminds me of like when I was studying um, Eastern Asian cultures and um, the Sikh Indians, there's such Mm -hmm. a small population of that country, but they serve most, you know, that huge percentage of the military population and they're serving right in that, the roughest area (laughs) where they have to defend their country. And I think there's definitely something to that as well. Some comparisons there. Yeah, man. So, you know, I wanted to start talking about one of my favorite parts of the book and, um, to me, it really hit me. And, you know, I, I talk about this, like about a lot of Ryan Holiday's books. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that hit me, Obstacle is the Way. It was a great book, but it also hit me at the right time. And I think that when you have great content and the right timing, it could change your DNA. Yeah, And I felt like your chapter, um, talking about living off the land and, and you know, using what you got, Yeah, man, that, that hit me in the right spot at the right time, you know, and and I'd love for you to share what, what your perspectives were there when you're talking about those resources, those key resources, we have time, energy, and the skills that we have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we live in a world that is just, it's a bounty of resources.
1: You know, we live in the information age. We have, we, we have access to so much, you know, we should never feel like we're in a place where we can't get an answer, where we can't get the right resource. We can't talk to the right person. Um, You know, and I have been inspired by this principle for so long because all the tribes I've worked with, like I said, over 500 tribal nations and counting um, that did this so effectively, expertly. They used what was in their own backyard to create what they wanted to see, what they needed. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the Pueblo people in New Mexico live in an area that's very harsh, Uh, you know, hot in the summer, cold in the winter. They literally used the mud in their own backyard to create adobe. Mm -hmm. And they built these beautifully multi-leveled, you know, apartment complexes that they built into the side of cliffs, some of which are still standing today. Right. Um, I mean, it was just engineering brilliance. Um, the Inuit in Alaska, use seal skin, which is, you know, for, for, uh, clothing and and shelters, which is as warm as cloth. That's four times its thickness mm. and it's waterproof like Gore-Tex. Right. Um, you know, my tribe, we use birch bark for, you know, containers, shelters and our, and the canoes that made us famous. Uh, which were light, strong, maneuverable. Uh, we also tapped the trees in our own backyard at specifically maple and created that wonderful concoction known as maple syrup. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> that, that's that's from us. That so thing's worth listening. more than
0: oil. <laughs> yeah. Right. I know.
1: Maple syrup is gold. Oh, yeah. um, but no, and, and the whole reason behind that is because you have to use in any given moment in your life career or leadership, you have to use what you've got right now in you and around you mm-hmm. to create what you want to see. And more often than not, what happens is we have 99 of a hundred puzzle pieces and we complain about the one. Right. And we lose opportunity. We lose initiative when we do that. It's like dig in right now and, and use what you've got. If if mm-hmm. you think about it through that lens of what do I have to work with? You know, that's when innovation creativity starts to really, you know, kind of marinate and bubble up. Mm-hmm. Um, I started my business with a Kinko's business card and a sky pager. <laughs> Literally. I mean, that that's about as basic as you can get. So you, you, you start with where you are and you grow from there. And, um, so that, that's the thing is we should never feel like we're stuck. Like we, like we don't have what we need or, or we can't find it. Uh, it's everywhere. You know, I, I tell a story in the book about Kanazawa ice cream, you know, yeah. in Japan, when the, uh, the tsunami hit back in, I think it was twenty twenty eleven, 2011 and it wiped out these farmers fields that had strawberries mm-hmm. and these farmers, you know, they're taking care of their families and these fields got flooded. So the strawberries look terrible. They're all bruised. And, you know, when you put that in a grocery store, nobody's going to buy them. So they're, you know, they're at risk of losing the entire crop and not being able to take care of their families. So they went into this mode, like what we're talking about is what can we do, you know, with right. what we have left. And they hired a pastry chef and they started doing some experimentation. And they found that this, these strawberries, you know, had this chemical called polyphenol which when they poured it onto like cream, for instance, they thought it would make a nice dessert and they poured it on a cream and it instantly solidified. They're (laughs) like, well, that doesn't work. But what they found in that breakthrough was, but it can make ice cream, you know? And so what they made is this no melt ice cream called Kanazawa pops that this ice cream stays frozen at room temperature for an Mm -hmm. hour. Yeah. So it's like no melt ice cream. So, I mean, it's that kind of creativity, like, you know, taking, you know, bad fruit and making a great product, you know, taking a bad situation and making it better, you know, based on that idea of asking a different question, you know, not, not what do we do? What do we do? But what can we do? Right. What We've got right now with who we've got right now. And when you think through that lens, you figure it out.
0: I I love that because it takes something that you know, a platitude of be grateful for what you have and, and yeah. makes it operational. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It operationalizes that because, like, I remember when you said something about, like, you know, the English alphabet only has 26. Characters. Yeah, yeah, it's written some of the greatest masterpieces in the history of the planet, right? Move I mean, millions of people to
1: action, you know. Right. It's, yeah.
0: It's- <laughs> right. I mean, that that is just so amazing. To- when you said that, I was like, man, you know, you're right. You know, and it's really important because um I was stationed overseas for a while, and I found that when you're stationed overseas, um, you 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 find a way to live a little bit simpler, and then you find mm-hmm. some more happiness and contentment, right? Yeah. And you feel happier. And then um when I came back to the States, I'm fighting this urge. And not feel like I need to get the new thing, or to do that, yeah. or or to keep on, you know, buying all this stuff. And and when you talk about, you know, the time and the energy and the skills that you have, um, I think it's it's great to be mindful of that and take that moment. And and when you are faced with a challenge, don't realize you don't have to look for a new tool, right? You probably have something that you can operationalize and utilize. And I That's love it. what you say. Yeah. This quote you say: "Honor who you are and where you come from by using what you have every day." And I'm That's like, it. Man. That's it. And we yeah. all have more than we need. We really yeah. do. But if you take,
1: if you take that time, like you said, to reflect on what we actually have, what we actually can contribute, mm-hmm. you know, you look down in your toolkit and you find you've got more than you need in any given moment, Yeah. Know? but we're always hustling, looking for the next thing, or we're focusing on the thing that we lack or we don't have, or, mm-hmm. you know, the experience we didn't get. It's like, take your mind off of that and go to what you have right now. And, um, and, and, and again, it, you know, be it ever so humble, whatever resources you have in there, what's more important than even what you have in that toolkit is how you use it every day. Yes. So, and we don't need, you know, we don't need nearly as much as we think we just need to use what we've got.
0: Yeah. I, I remember when I was in Vietnam, I'm um, traveling and I remember seeing these folks just kind of hanging out. They didn't have shoes on. They're just, you know, uh-huh. they seem so happy. Right. And then they're able to just kind of execute at what they're doing. They're, they're providing. And then I remember yeah. going back on the, uh, the cruise ship and, um, I met a, a Western guy and he was just complaining about how dirty the place is. I'm like, you knew where you signed up to come to, right? <laughs> like, what do <are> you, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, in, in the, there's something to be said for that too, because we live in mm-hmm. a busy hurry up, get it now get it fast type of world, mm-hmm. you know, where the speed of life is the speed of light. We're all running around with our hair on fire. But I've I found the older I get, Joe, that the quieter mm-hmm. I, I can be. And the more I can factor in solitude during my day, chunks of time, the happier I am. Yeah. So, you know, quiet and moving a little bit slower allows happiness to actually emerge. We can't do that when we're just going a thousand miles an hour in a bunch of different directions. We miss out on the good stuff that's right there.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I remember watching um, one of my favorite YouTube videos was a TED talk by a guy named Sean Aker. And he was kept on talking about how Oh, I love that guy. Right. Yes. right? The yeah. happiness. Yeah. He yeah. keeps on talking about putting happiness on the other side of success. And then you just keep on pushing that away. You keep on going. Yeah. For the it's next like a thing. carrot on the end of the stick that we yeah. never allow a bite of. Yeah. 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 That is a fantastic video, too. And a great, it's a great reminder every now and then to go back and take a look at that.
1: Yeah. Happiness is a choice. It's not a goal. Yes. You know, you can be happy in any given moment. It's just, you know, we, we do that to ourselves, uh, you know, so often. And I think it's a cruel practice, Mm -hmm. you know, when we say, I'm going to be happy when, right. I'm going to be happy when I fall in love. I'm going to be happy when I get married. I'm going to be happy when I get divorced. I'm going to be happy when I have kids. I'm going to be happy when they grow. You know, it's always something down the road Mm -hmm. that's going to make us happy. And we never allow ourselves to get to that point. And, um, you know, meanwhile, life keeps
0: going, you know, Yeah, it sure does. You know, another uh, portion of the book that I really loved was when you're talking about courage, you know, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of different points where you talk about courage and how how to get after that. And and there's a comment that you made in there is like, you know, we make life way more complicated than we need to. And we're really good at it. (laughs) I was thinking about it. You're like, yeah, when you do that, you can start catastrophizing, right? And start thinking about all the worst things that could happen. I, I love your perspectives on courage. Would you mind sharing a little bit about courage and what your perspectives on that is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, courage, obviously, you know, where would our warriors
1: be without courage? Where would we be without courage? Mm -hmm. Um, Courage is is not the absence of fear. It's acting in the face of it. Mm. And, you know, what I always try to encourage people to do is look at moments in your life where you had to show bravery, where Mm -hmm. you had to exercise courage and don't just blow past those things, reflect on it and acknowledge it as what it is, you know, courage Mm -hmm. in action. Um, because a lot of times we just blow right past it and we go, Oh, thank God I got through that. And we go on to the next thing. When we reflect on what it took for us to get through that moment, we're able to kind of store that courage away into what I consider to be like a courage reservoir Mm -hmm. where we're able to store it, put it away for future use. So that next time we run into that moment that where we're scared, we can look back and say, you know what? I've been here before. Mm -hmm. I got this. Um, And and you're not just going on faith. Like, I hope I got this. You're looking back and you're basing it on evidence. You know, you're able to show in this moment, I did the hard thing. I did the thing that was scary and I'm still here, you know, moving forward and I can leverage that moment into now, you know, there was a, a great quote about, uh, well, and it's also, you know, courage is part of um, resiliency too. you know, being able to bounce back, you know, when things get rough, uh, when we want to quit, when we, you know, feel anxiety building up or disappointment. And I I love, there's a quote by uh, Rocky, you know, from uh, the the fictional boxer, you know, had a great quote. He said, uh, you know, uh, it's not how hard you can hit, it's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that that most courageous thing we can do is get out of bed the next day, you know, when when everything went sideways or pear-shaped the day before. Um, But it's, it's, but it's not just the big things. It's not swimming with sharks or bungee jumping. It's, it's everyday courage, like asking for help, Mm -hmm. um, starting that big project that scares the, you know, what out of you, um, telling somebody that you're sorry, uh, acknowledging for yourself, being courageous uh, enough to acknowledge for yourself that what you're doing day in and day out is not working. And Mm -hmm. it's time to change tactics. You know, Mm -hmm. these are things that require courage too. And, um, so all, all those things are, are so important because we live in a scary world yeah. and there's a lot of fear out there. Uh, fear mongering is alive and well everywhere, but the more that we can face that stuff head on, uh, number one, the more effectively we deal with it instead of trying to run away from it, hoping it goes away, diminishing it. So that's the first thing. And number two, we get to the other side of that and we gain confidence, you know, because we face the thing that scared us. You know, the, yeah. the Plains tribes have a, a tradition. I highlight it in the book called counting coup. Yes. <laughs> which, yeah. Which is where a warrior does like the most courageous thing that they can do in battle, which is they come up to an enemy and they don't strike the enemy down with a tomahawk or, or war club. They simply touch the enemy during live combat. Mm-hmm. So touch their shoulder, you know, with their, either their hand or a stick, you know, called a coup stick, and that's it. And, and, and the reason why that was an honor higher than actually striking an enemy down in combat is because of what it required. Mm-hmm. It required courage to stand toe to toe with the thing that generates fear and say, I am not scared of you. Mm-hmm. I'm so not scared of you. I'm not even going to harm you. Yeah. Um, you know, and that that's a it's a great practice in life when we're dealing with the stuff that scares us is just stand toe to toe with it. Look it in the eye and move forward.
0: Yeah, better for it. I'm so grateful that you brought that up because I I wrote that down in my notes because I wanted to talk to you about it because I thought that was just so fascinating. And, and, you know, there's so many opportunities for us uh, counting coup throughout the day, you know what I mean? Because a lot of times people think of courage, to show courage, you have to have this huge daunting task. But a lot of times it's something as simple as um, giving someone direct feedback or yeah. or you know correcting <laughs> yeah. behavior or setting right? a barrier within a relationship or you know you know something's wrong and just calling it that way yeah. you know and making taking an action on it and i think there's there's a full spectrum of things that you know that we're always worried about what other people think about us and it takes courage to get past that you know and it does yeah it and i does. think it think it takes courage for a man to be chivalrous nowadays to like not worry about what people think Cause so many, so many things we always worry about. What, what do people think about me when I'm doing this? You know, I was like, well, well that's I the thing. have I fear care. of judgment, right? Yeah, a fear of judgment's right. everywhere. I mean, yeah. you have to, you know, listen to your own
1: voice, you yeah. know, go to the beat of your own drum, mm-hmm. let the chips fall where they will. Because I've learned at this point in my life, Joe, you probably have too. no matter what you do, yeah. their critics are everywhere. So hundred <laughs> percent. Do you want to chase your tail trying to yeah. please the peanut gallery, or do you want to stand and deliver on the things that you know are in you to bring right. out into this world? And then, right. you know, you're not going to be the same as somebody else. And that's your gift. That's our beauty. That's right. our power. You know, yeah. But the moment we start getting into our own head going, you know, are they going to like this? Is this mm-hmm. going to be okay? Man, we just, we just miss out on being able to fully contribute the way that
0: only we can, you know, in this world. Right. I mean, setting, setting a good example oftentimes takes courage. You know, Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It does instead of following the pack, um, yeah. which is a lot easier at times. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, agreed. Yeah, man. So you brought up resiliency and this is uh, the the next direction I want to take this conversation because you bring so many great points on resiliency. What are your big um, lessons that you've learned about making sure that you take care of yourself and that you're resilient and you're able to deal with life's adversities? Yeah, uh, great question.
1: Um, you know, that's one of the things I unpack in the book that, you know, you can't be a warrior if you're falling apart. Mm-hmm. You know, and we all want to be brave when it matters. We all want to deliver when it matters. We can't do that when we're a hot mess. You know, Mm -hmm. if we're not taking good care of ourselves, we can't be resilient. You know, when things get tough, we collapse, we implode. And we Mm -hmm. see that happen to people all the time. You know, stress and anxiety, and they just get burned out. They get apathetic. They have a health crisis, you know, and and I'm a born again advocate for this because I've been in the same boat. Mm -hmm. You know, I I got shingles years ago when I I was still active duty officer. I just started a business and we had just started a family. Yeah. Wow. I was running, I was burning the candle on both ends and in the middle Mm -hmm. and and I suffered for it. And so all the things that I was trying to do fell short because Mm -hmm. I could not deliver because physically I was compromised. Mentally I was compromised. And so that's why I'm so adamant about that. Um, if we want to deliver the best stuff that we can to the people that we serve and to the world that we live in, we've got to take care of the vessel that's delivering all this great stuff, which is us, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, um, being able to take the time, to do what we need for us is, is not selfish it's the highest form of care we can provide yeah. um so you know and that comes in a variety of different ways i think at the end of the day we all know how to take good care of ourselves the only mm-hmm. problem is we're just not doing it yeah you know and and i and i say something to my groups that i i speak with and it sounds doctor susian <laughs> but i'm going to say it anyways because it just it you know i think it'll resonate but just remember you are the only you that you will ever have or be Mm-hmm. act accordingly. You yeah. know you can't do anything for anyone else if you're drowning. It just it just doesn't work. So when you're able to do that and take care of yourself the right way, the way that you know you need to, you are going to be stronger, you're going to be more resilient. you're going to be more patient, more kind, more likely to find solutions to your challenges. and you're going to be setting a great example for the other people in your team, in your family and the people that surround you in life because they're going to see how you roll, how you operate, the results that you're getting, and it's going to encourage them to do the same thing.
0: Yeah. I love that you brought that up because I remember when I was younger, I I want to succeed and I see one person just work until 11 o'clock at night. And I'm thinking if I want to be like that person, I need to do the same thing. Right. And then I saw another yeah. person come in the same role and they were going home about 1630, 1700 a day. They were taking care of their family, but they were still getting stuff done. They delegated very well empowered. And I was like, wait, it's important too. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's, yeah. I think that one looks better. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and I think that, you know, it comes down to the resilience. Um, I feel like hustle culture has got, like, made this Feeling that you always have to keep driving and grinding so hard, and it almost contradicts that what you're saying is that you know you do got to take care of yourself, or you're not going you to be not effective. And and you know it's interesting because it's kind of like sleep. I remember hearing Matthew Walker talk about sleep, and he was like, you, you know, you, everybody thinks that they can survive for of four or five hours of sleep because they're grinding it out, yeah. but that literally will kill you. <laughs> like, yeah. like, you know, it'll lead to dementia and all kinds of issues. And, but you think you're grinding but it's actually knocking years off the other side. And it's like that, like right. what you're saying, you're grinding it out, but you're not able to take care of other people. And now you're, you're actually getting, um, a low, um, return on investment on the other side of that.
1: That's it. And, and, and here's the thing, let's be clear. We, we can grind, we can make mm-hmm. great impacts in the world and in our responsibilities, but we need breaks, right? We need breaks. You can't grind all the time. It's, it, I mean, something as simple as breathing, you know, a natural mm-hmm. process that reminds us over and over again, thousands of times a day, a, a day, that mm-hmm. you breathe in and then you breathe out and then you replenish and you breathe in again. Mm-hmm. You know, try just breathing in and see how long you can do that. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. our body is triggering us to remember right. there's a balance in all things. That's one of the, you know, cultures in our native philosophy that every tribe I've worked with has in common there there's balance. Um, mm-hmm. there's day for night, joy for pain. There, you're going to have struggles. You're going to have victories. It, it's just part of the universal balance. And when we don't do that in our work and in our life, we tip the scales in a, in a direction we don't want to go, which is to, you know, towards burnout, towards apathy, towards a health crisis. Um, you know, look at it another way, like what boxers do in a fight, mm-hmm. you know, uh, they take breaks in between rounds. Yeah. So they can reboot, recharge, get some coaching, Mm-hmm. Get some water, you know, wipe that sweat off and then get back in there and keep fighting the good fight. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. You know, try watching a 12 round fight. Just go 12 <laughs> rounds straight. It, it, it would not be uh, yeah. an entertaining experience for anyone. No, it
0: would not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah.
1: we, we just have to pace ourselves, you know, and that's why that self-care piece is so, you know, critically important.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think you you really touched on two things are, in the directions I wanted to go to. Was, one was, you know, uh, Native Americans see medicine as different as we typically see it now. And a yeah. lot of that can lead to that stronger resiliency. If we see it that way it, mm-hmm. from, 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 uh, the native perspective and also setting the example, becoming an elder is like, you got to be able to set the right example. And those are two principles that I really loved about it. And I think I really tied those to resiliency as well. And uh, yeah. can you explain a little bit about like, we see medicine oftentimes as a pill <laughs> Here you sure. here's some medication, yep. but, but, but how, how do Native Americans kind of see medicine as that medicine bag? Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: you're exactly right. You know, medicine in our modern society, immediately, when you say the word, uh, it conjures up an image of a pill mm-hmm. or a potion or, or a vaccine. You know, we're conditioned mm-hmm. to see it that way. You know, right. every fifth page of a magazine is selling mm-hmm. something. Every third commercial anymore is hawking something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that we look at medicine in our tribal communities is very different. Um, number one, medicine isn't something that we seek out once we're already out of balance and sick. Mm. Medicine is something we incorporate into our lives daily to keep us strong and resilient. Uh, my people, we call medicine mushkeke, um, which comes from two words. Meshke means strength that you gather, and gay mm. means earth. Mm. So, strength that you gather from the earth and everything and anything can qualify as medicine from, from that perspective. Uh, mm. It could be watching funny movies, spending time with your family, spending time alone, getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, pursuing a hobby. Uh, reading books, uh, anything and everything can qualify as medicine. The key is number one, know what yours is, and then number two, use it every day. You know, there, there. I'll say something else that sounds Dr. Susie, and I like simple, you know, ideas because they, I think they have direct impact. But it's knowing a thing and doing a thing are two different things. We get get lost because I have conversations like this with people all the time about, oh, I know how to take good care of myself. You know, they're giving me the list. And I'm like, then, but you're telling me something else and you're, you know, like you're falling apart. Are you doing any of this stuff? And they're like, nah, you know, it's like, (laughs) okay, then that's a problem. You got to disconnect there. You're out of alignment. Mm -hmm. And so we really have to, you know, be able to honor that to, to stay strong and resilient. So that's when we talk about medicine, that's, you know, kind of the concept we use, Uh, in our tribal communities is anything can qualify as that. Yeah.
0: And I I love that because I think we need more of that across, right? I mean, you don't Mm -hmm. have to be looking for the pill, like that preventive medicine, working out, exercising, staying inspired, having a hobby, spending time with your family, all that's medicine, you know? And Absolutely. And it doesn't come with the side effects either, Joe. You don't get spontaneous (laughs) diarrhea, bad breath,
1: sore joints, sudden temporary blindness, you know, like all those things. I watch these drug commercials. I'm like, what are you actually treating? You know, what one of the ones is could make you do things while you're asleep,
0: like drive or gamble. Yeah. what what is yeah. going
1: on here you know right
0: and it's and the, the whole the medicine is actually supposed to help you sleep right <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, 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 the best one the side effect is exactly what you're trying to not get from the thing yeah <laughs> interesting right so yeah.
1: all the stuff you know that's the other part of that you know the real medicine doesn't have those downsides you know mm-hmm. when you're spending time out in nature when you're walking when you're hanging out with the people that you love and and they love you um you know being able to do something with your mind you know like reading or doing, you know, art, gardening, whatever it may be. These are things that have nothing but upside.
0: Yeah. It makes me wonder when did we like start accepting side effects as normal things that's supposed to make us feel better? You know what I mean? That's Des- really desperation. Interesting. Yeah.
1: I think desperation because we're all so busy and we don't, you know, it's easier to pop a pill right. than it is to actually change your life yeah. you know, and change the regimen that you're, you're, you're under. But you know, like yeah. I said, when I got the shingles, um, that was six weeks of a living nightmare. Mm. I mean, that was just—I right. would wish that on my worst enemy. Right. And it really did make me fundamentally change the way that I was living my life, the way that mm-hmm. I was taking care of myself, yeah. Um, the way that I was handling, you know, stress and anxiety. And you don't have to go through those painful lessons, you know, to learn that. You can right. learn from other people and right. and you know change accordingly right. before you, mm-hmm. you know, get to a crisis point. Yeah.
0: And that's called wisdom, right? Being able to that's learn it. from other people too. That's I, it. I think that's yeah. important. And you know what, DJ, you know, you define what an elder is. And what I always thought an elder was, was I always picture some really, really old person right? <laughs> like yeah. that's yeah. telling you stuff, but the, you define it more as like that person that you can go to, you know, a mentor, a person that can really help you become the best person you are, right? The person that's yeah. helping. And um, you are an absolute elder, DJ, just reading your book spending this time having a conversation with you. Brother, I'm inspired. Um, so grateful you came on. And I just really hope that we get to keep this relationship going and in connection, man. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it, Joe. And I'll, I'll say,
1: uh, thank you very much, my friend, for having me on. It's It's truly been an honor. I love
0: what you're doing. I love the way that you do it. And I was really happy to be part of this today. Thank you so much. Um, how, do, how do our listeners get to learn more about DJ Vanis? Like, where do they go? Um, yeah. where, where can they find your books? Yeah. Um, my website is
1: nativediscovery.com. That's the best way to get a hold of me. Uh, my new book, The Warrior Within, which just came out last month through Penguin Random House. Uh, is available everywhere. Books are sold. There's an audio version as well. So if you're too busy to read, mm-hmm. I'll read the whole darn thing to you. Um, I'm the narrator. Yeah. And there's a bonus, as as you know, because you've listened to the audio yeah. bonus at the end of about an hour and a half interview. I'm interviewed by one of my best friends, Dr. Kevin Basic, who's a director for the National Medal of Honor Institute and Museum, which just broke ground uh, down in, outside of Dallas, Texas. Nice. And uh, so we go deeper into the content, tell a few extra stories Um, And have, you know, kind of a conversational tone, you know, like what we're doing today. Uh, But yeah, please go out and get a copy. And um, I I poured my heart into the book. So uh, if you know, my goal is to touch other people's hearts by doing that. So I hope you go out and get a copy
0: yeah I, I highly recommend everybody grab it and you know what I got the audio version. And I loved it because d j you're an amazing narrator and you're funny. I mean it was it was just a great book um but I'm Thank also you. gonna get the the physical copy because I, I was thinking, man I wish I could write some notes in this thing because it's not the same yeah. as you know hitting the the bookmark thing and the notes <laughs> and the little snippets. so I'm gonna definitely purchase um the the physical copy because I want to go back into it because there's so many great lessons and um I will tell the listeners that. DJ gets very vulnerable and shares some stuff in his book that I think that all leaders should do if they have the opportunity so I'm not going to spoil it here but get the book check it out and, and you're gonna gain so much from it um DJ it was a fantastic book but you know what brother I can't let you go until we hit you with this we call it a life learning leadership rapid fire <laughs> okay oh boy all right <laughs> all right just four questions just you know, here. Okay. yeah <laughs> however you want to interpret the question as well and how, however you want to answer it sound good okay. Sounds great. Uh, All right. Question number one. Uh, What is your favorite leadership trait and why? My favorite leadership trait
1: is benevolence Mm. because I think that needs to come back into leadership, not leadership as the loudest voice in the room, not leadership by bludgeoning somebody else into your way of thought or belief or getting them to respond or or do something that you want them to do is coming from a place of good intentionality. I think is critically important. And of course it goes beyond intentions. People go, it's all about action, of course, but I think it needs to start with good intentions, you know, that, that we, you know, like the people, we love
0: the people that we're meeting and it shows not just in our word, but in our deed. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Question number two, Um, besides your books, what is a book, maybe a podcast or article that you would recommend to the audience? Oh my gosh. Well, we talked about it. The daily stoic. Mm. I, I think that's a great podcast.
1: Uh, Ryan holiday, he's got great yeah. books as well, but it's, it's, you know, and it, and it lines up a lot with native philosophy. You know, it's like simple ideas work in a complicated mm. world, yeah. uh, as much as they ever have. And and I would argue too, they're, they're, they're probably more needed than they ever
0: have been, you yeah. know, in, in the world that we live in. So that that's one that I would recommend just off the top of my head. Awesome. All right. Third question. All right. This one's going to be the the part of the life one, the fitness. If there was one lift, movement, or exercise, you're only limited to one for the rest of your life. That's the only one you could do. What would it be? Uh, push-ups. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just got my number in today.
1: So yeah, yeah. it's just a, one of those. Yeah, that, that would be it.
0: That exercise, I mean, like people like you know, like try to go away from it and do all these other things, but there's a reason why push-ups have been existed like for all these years, you know. Like, I know, yeah, it's, it's a, a great, it's workout. Yeah. Well,
1: and if it was one activity, it would probably be running. Yeah. You know, if I could run and just do push-ups, I mean, those are the two,
0: the yeah. two go-to's. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that air force pt test speaking to you right now but <laughs> there you go i'm programmed joe i'm programmed <laughs> yep. all right all right here's a deep question of the day final question at the long lounge we're all about life learning and leadership so how does dj vanis find his harmony between life learning and leadership uh self-care mm. definitely taking taking time for
1: myself taking reflection time to process what's going on in my life, what I'm going through at any given moment so that I can be effective in life. So I can be a good leader. Um, you know, that's, I I think critically important because we can get overwhelmed. We can allow ourselves to be overwhelmed when we don't do that. And like I said earlier, you know, the, the quieter, you know, I make my life, you know, where I create those pockets of quiet and the slower I go, you know, at, at times where I'm feeling that acceleration buildup, uh, the more effective I am. So it's it's about life management, but self-care definitely top of the list. It yeah. helps me do everything I do
0: better. That's great. Great tip. And thank you once again so much for coming on. And we're gonna have to have you come on again, man. Thank you. Anytime, Appreciate Joe. You. <laughs> All right. <Appreciate> you. <laughs> Well, to all the listeners, make sure you get that book in any form or both, right? I mean, it's a great book. And um, and check out also our show sponsor, Blazing Star Barbecue. Mike Starr's out there, veteran-owned business. Uh, he's running it, bringing his rubs and sauces from all over his travels and bringing those flavors to your backyard. So check it out at BlazingStarBarbecue.com. Until next week, llamas are out. Thanks for tuning in to the Llama Lounge Podcast. Be sure to visit the homepage for links to products and services related to this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. See you next time.